Okay, so I think we can start. Um, hi, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. This episode is a very, very special episode, um, and it is with my big sister, Tatenda, who goes affectionately by the name Tate. Um, and yeah, I just really wanted to talk to her because, you know, as I've known her over the last couple of years, she has, I think, perfected the art of pivoting. Um, and that is the title for today's episode. Um, and yeah, she is just an overall creative. She's an amazing person. She's a very supportive person. Um, we had connected um, through our previous uni. And yeah, she basically just became big sis, which was really important within times of COVID and things like that. But even just beyond that and beyond like an academic university setting. Um, yeah, her presence in my life is very much, very much appreciated. Um, and yeah, I'm just really, really excited to have her on the podcast. Um, so Tatenda, you can introduce yourself if you want to. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's that's my introduction for you. Firstly, thank you so much, Kim, for the the, the, the sweet way that you described me. Um, I'm actually very happy that the university kind of, the university and the universe uh, put, put us together because the connection was very, very instant. And what a lot of people actually don't know is that we actually started talking on WhatsApp before we even met in person. I think for a full I think for a full semester, maybe a semester and a half, we were just communicating on WhatsApp before we even met in person. And so I really also like the fact that we had that kind of that kind of foundation, because then when I met you in person, I was just so excited. <laughs> um, but it, I think it's a really wonderful thing that the university and the universe did. And um, yeah, my name is uh, Tetenda Madondo. I come from uh, Zimbabwe, just like Kimberly as well. But um, I know my artist name is is uh, Tetenda Writes, uh, W-R-I-T-E-S, because I am mainly a, a writer, a poet, storyteller. Um, but I also, um, I'm currently directing a documentary. Actually, I was a creative director on a documentary called Cultural Medium that was directed by my little sister, Brittany. It came out um, this summer. We were actually featured in the Galway Film Festival and um, the current documentary that I'm working on right now. Uh, we don't have a name for it. At least we have a preliminary name for it, um, but we can't release it just yet. It is a documentary that follows the life and times of uh, a Black and Irish rapper, uh, a Nigerian Irish rapper by the name of Slick Bullet. He is one of the most talented musicians that I've, I think, ever come across in my life. And um, I discovered him on Instagram and I, you know, sent him a message talking about how much I loved his music and how much, you know, I couldn't wait to go to his concert. And he responded within minutes and he was so lovely and so nice. And uh, um, when I then had the idea to make a documentary about him, he was very excited, very enthusiastic, which I think, you know, was a sign from God himself that this is what was meant to happen. So mm -hmm. um, right now that's what I'm doing. But um, I have a background in law, just like, just like Kimberly, I studied international and European law. But I actually left the study in Groningen and I'll be resuming it um, hopefully next year in September, but not in Groningen. I will actually be transferring universities. Um, thankfully, I'm very fortunate to have found a full time job where they're willing to help me with that as well. So if hopefully by 2025, I would have finally gotten my law degree. But um, right now I'm working in youth diversion. I'm working with juvenile criminals um, in Ireland. I'm based in Dublin. And um, it's a very fulfilling job and I'm learning a lot as well. And obviously it's never easy looking at um, the cases that lead you know, young people to commit crimes, but I really believe that we're making a difference. And uh, my hands are just kind of in many places right now, but I'm, I'm grateful, I'm very grateful to God. You know, I'm a Christian and I'm quite spiritual. So um, 
at the end of the day, I'm a believer in God's plan. And I, I'm very grateful to God for everything that's happened in my life to lead me to where I'm at today. And uh, thank you so much, Kim, for having me on your podcast. Oh, no worry. That was a very lengthy introduction, but I hope you guys understand that she is a busy woman and she is really <laughs> hard to like, you know, get a hold of. Um, but yeah, that's why I invited her today. I think for me, the most important part is the fact that Tatenda has a lot of wisdom and through the time that I have known her, uh, she has gone through ups and downs just like any person, you know, would. But I have... I don't think I've seen someone yet in my like friendship circle to go through such a rough period and come out of it. I would say like victorious almost Um, the way uh, (laughs) that's just genuinely how I feel the way that you obviously healing is hard and you were honest. And that's when you got into not like, not, not, not like that's when you got into your, your art, but I feel like that's when like when you were in such a vulnerable state, I feel like that was what helped you to like create the most and to have the confidence to post it, knowing that, you know, maybe someone else is going through this thing, but just putting yourself out there and just like increasing your reach in regards to your social media and just like building like a brand for yourself. That's just something that has been very inspiring to me, knowing that, you know, there are such beautiful things that can come out of, horrible moments and moments where you know you are super vulnerable that's what I have you know seen in your life and that's just you know an outsider's perspective um and thank you the main reason as to why I also invited her here is just that she has completely pivoted the direction of her life um especially within our community i would say zimbabwean but you can you know there are shared sentiments in regards to the caribbean community african community african-american community whatever you want to call it um she is going for the alternative career path than what is prescribed to us or what is you know what people say you must do you know doctor lawyer engineer that kind of stuff and she is literally going the opposite direction she's going into you know creative um ventures um but still with a little side of law you know as you know she continues to go on um but yeah that's just like the main reason as to why i invited her here i'm really inspired by her which is why she's here you know i don't bring on people that i don't like thank you yeah <laughs> that's why she's on my podcast <laughs> Um, and I wanted to start off with like, you know, just a little bit of like some feeler questions. Um, first of all, thank you for agreeing to be on my podcast. I know we agreed on this like last year. Um, <laughs> oh, but... I'm, I'm more than happy. I love you. Yeah. I've told, I, I've, I've told so many people here about you. I remember you were like, oh, so that's where my Irish views are coming from. Cause I've told people. <laughs> yeah. about like... you. So thank you for having me. Yeah, no, I really, really appreciate the fact that you agreed to be on it. And it's something that we've been talking about for like, a long time but I'm happy that we finally have the time and we're both in a space where we can actually you know create this podcast and speak and have an open conversation with my listeners um and yeah I just want to start off basic like how are you doing how is your new chapter of life going that's just something I want to know I am I'm doing well thank you I I am and I promise this is not going to turn into a sermon at all but I really have to just give glory 
to God. Um, the best thing, the, the first way that I can describe how I'm doing is I'm doing very well spiritually. Um, I've gotten very, very close to God. I've reconnected with God in the last couple of years. And so I don't think I would have even been able to, you know, achieve the healing that I've had if it wasn't for the relationship that I have with God and the prayers and all those things and kind of reconnecting with my spirituality. So in that sense, I, uh, <laughs> in that sense, I'm doing really, I'm doing quite well. And, uh, you know, in this new chapter that I'm at, there's definitely still ups and downs. There's definitely still, you know, curveballs that I have to face. And there's obviously, you know, healing from, and, you know, I'm very excited about this podcast because I plan to be as vulnerable as I can be within reason, but like obviously. healing from it's the internet, don't forget. <laughs> exactly. You know, healing from, um, healing from clinical depression and anxiety is not, uh, it's not a linear journey. There are still times where I am like, very low there are still times where I've got no energy where I'm not able to really speak to people but I'm very 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 fortunate that those times are not as frequent as they used to and when they do come I'm able to come out of it a lot quicker um you know this new chapter of my life I've also been reintroduced to parts of myself that died during the tough times that I've had you know you've described me as a busy and hard to reach woman. I've always been that way. I get it from my mom. I've always been someone that has her hands dipped in something. I used to be somebody that was constantly on my feet to the point where I wouldn't even say that I'm busy. I, I used to always just describe myself, oh, but I'm just productive because I was always doing something, always creating something, always, I've always been someone that, you know, the moment my eye decides that I want something, I go for it. And so, mm -hmm this new chapter of my life I'm doing that and I'm back to being that very busy very active productive self and a self a side of me that I thought would never come back because there was a time where even just having a conversation with someone was really really difficult and so now that I'm able to kind of get back to the whole kind of flying high while I'm young and free with no kids and no husband that kind of thing um this new chapter of my life has really been about rediscovering myself and getting closer to God I'm so happy about that no no I'm I'm really really proud of you and just like how you've come out of it um i've already said you know how i feel like your life was a testament for other people in your life um and i think it's just really important especially to like all the listeners like out there like things will get better you will be better it is not forever going to be you know a downward spiral and things like that and i just think it's about having the strength and people you know get their strength from different things like be it spirituality um be it like you know their religion um their family things like that um but finding something that gives you the strength to pick up yourself and you know carry on and actually create the life that you want to live i think that's just something that you know we all have deep inside of us and even though we go through hard times like you will make it through and i think tatenda's you know life is a testament to that um but yeah i just you know i just wanted to start it off you know light and cute but then you know our conversations always become really deep um, <laughs> true yeah true. you inspire that out of me a lot of times so. <laughs> sorry <Yeah. laughs> oh i love it <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I wanted to like dive more into like your career and stuff. So the first question that I had for you is what are the biggest considerations that have prompted you to pivot like your career or the area of, you know, of what you want to do or, you know, not limiting yourself to, you know, like a certain like bubble? Mm, no, I, I love that question, actually. Um, I actually love that question because it's I think it's probably that question probably is the umbrella under which everything that in my life has occurred. Um, so 
I, you know, like I said at the beginning, I have a background in international and European law. I did my A-levels in Zimbabwe and I did divinity, history, literature, and then I did AS English as well. And so the trajectory of my life, at least the set course that myself and many people in my life thought I would take would be, <clears throat> I go to the Netherlands, I get a bachelor, a master's in the law, in law, a legal background, something like that. And then I just pursue and dominate the law field and just become this legal baddie who makes her <laughs> parents proud and who who is essentially the definition of you know the successful black girl you know I don't know if you've seen to complain that game that, that the movie with uh, Mars Chestnut and Vivica A. Fox but I thought I was going to be Vivica A. Fox the corporate baddie with a big house and you know in the big law firms and taking down the criminals and fighting for rights I thought I was gonna I even called myself at some point the black and law Clooney <laughs> and so <laughs> and so um <clears throat> That was the route that I was going to take in my life. And, um, um, but to be very honest, it wasn't an honest route for me to take. And that's something that I can only take 100% responsibility for. I know, obviously, as an African girl and as the eldest daughter in, you know, an African household, a lot of expectations were placed on me, like every, like, you know, like every African family does with their children. But I really will say that I was not true to myself when I picked that, because that was the, the route that, I think was um, that made the most sense, the route that was expected. You know, a lot of times when people meet me, they even say, oh, you give very grown energy, you give very corporate energy, that kind of thing. But I've always been artistic. I've always been creative. I've always been someone that kind of goes with where my brain takes me as opposed to following structure. Not that I don't believe in structure, but naturally, even if you were to ask my parents, especially my mom, naturally structure is not something that works well for my brain type. Mm -hmm. But obviously, I didn't know any better. And I just kind of went with what I thought would make me look the best, would make me the most money and would kind of fulfill the role that I was so for so long successfully playing. And so, you know, when I then, you know, developed depression, and when I then was developing a burnout from how much I was overworking myself in university, and from the fact that I was working so hard to maintain something that deep, deep, deep down was not really pleasing me or fulfilling me I, it's almost like I could feel that God created me to be a creative mm -hmm. and I was actively going against how he wanted me to be and then on top of being in an unhealthy relationship as well I just um really what kind of made me go back to the drawing board was the fact that I was looking at my life and how it was going and the direction that it was headed and I knew that I was just signing myself up for not being in the purpose that God had for me in, in my life but also just not being happy, you know, as I was, as well as I was doing in law at some point, there was a time I just started failing. I was tutoring people and, you know, for exams that I was failing in. So it was just things like, I don't get it, but people come to me for the explanations. People come to me for the answers. I'm selling my notes. I'm good at what I do. Professors are telling me I'm good at what I do, but I can't even produce that in an exam anymore. It, and I actually, for a long time, I really thought that it was just maybe, you know, maybe I'm incompetent, but I realized that God was probably allowing that to happen because it was forcing me to then go back to the drawing board and say, do I actually want to do this or should I go and do something else? And that's when my mom said, okay, leave university, come home, take a year off, take two years off if you have to. You need to come back and figure yourself out. You need to heal your body, heal your mind. And then doing that is what started me just saying, okay, you know what? I have one life. And if this depression wipes me out, I'm not going to 
I'm not going to go out a liar because there was a time when I was just ready to just let life go in general. And I said to myself, I'm not going to go out a liar. I'm going to go out doing what I love to do. And fortunately, the idea of going out just didn't, you know, it went away. Fortunately, that idea went out. And um, it was really just life making things really difficult for me to realize that, okay, I need to stop what I'm doing and go back to drawing board. Yeah, I love that. I love how it's how you say that, you know, all these things are happening, even though they may not have been the best, but it forced you to like go back and really, you know, think about the kind of life that you want to live. And I feel like sometimes we do need those moments where we're like, okay, no, like, how do I actually want to live my life? Do I want to live my life for the opinions of others and making other people happy? Or do I want to live my life for me, you know? Um, and yeah, I think that's that's really powerful. The second question that I have is, what do you believe is necessary for you to be fulfilled in your career? Hmm. Um, as cliche as it may sound, I think love. Um, I'm going to reference a conversation that I had with, um, a, you know, a director here, in the, a Nigerian director here in, um, in Dublin by the name of George, director George, shout out to him. Um, he is someone who has been very complimentary about my work and he does amazing stuff. And I remember we were in his car one time coming from a shoot and he was basically telling me that he can't put his hands on a project that he doesn't feel in love for because he knows that what he's going to produce won't be of any good quality because there has to be that connection to what he's doing. And I resonated a lot with that because if even, even if I look at the creative things that I've done so far <clears throat> and even like the gigs that I've had that, are, that I have that are lined up there, I've never been able to say yes to something that even if I didn't love it, that my heart wasn't in because mm -hmm. I know that there are some people who can compartmentalize that. They're able to just go in and just use their mind and their mind only. And they're able to go in, do what they have to do and get out. And those people I admire, my mom is like that. I admire people like that because I know for me, if I'm in a situation where my heart is not connected to something, what it takes for me to get something done just ends up wiping me out. And so I think for me to feel fulfilled in my career, whatever it is that I'm doing, there has to be that sentimental emotional connection even if it's something that I've you know I remember recently um <laughs> I was like an extra in a film about a boy band and something that was very far removed from anything really that I was interested in but then when I went on set to see if I actually wanted to do it and all that I just I just loved the atmosphere I loved the aura I loved the director I just loved what was happening so for me to in anything that I do in my career I I don't even have to love it but I just have to have some kind of emotional connection to it because if I don't I will still do it of course because I'm also a believer in serving even if it's not always comfortable but I just noticed that it takes a lot and I usually get wiped out so love for me is the big is the big thing okay thanks for that that's that's very I think that's very real in terms of like having an emotional connection to things I know like it's not like that for everyone um for me just to relate a little bit to that I mm -hmm. really do like human rights and like law in like conflict and stuff like that but like even seeing the current response now like in my head it clicked that you know what I don't think countries actually care enough about what they say they care about and I was very disheartened for a little bit but then mm -hmm. I got you know into the idea of economic policy and economic legal policy and particularly regional trade agreements that's my bitch um mm -hmm. 
yeah, that's just something that I want to make change for, for people. So understanding, because I realize that money makes the world go round. So if I understand how that works and how like, you know, trade works and investment works and yeah, I could just do a lot more for my region and where I come from and empower people, um, you know, to be in a better economic space and just like, you know, I'm not, obviously I'm not going to do it by myself. I have to do it through Mm -hmm. and things like that, but it really like, I had to be like, okay, I have love for this, but I don't think it, my love will, you know, stand in the long run. I'll, I was very disheartened and I actually mm-hmm. turned to something that I am equally passionate about that I didn't think I would be and just making sure that that actually drives change. So that's my goal at the end of the day. Um, mm. I can see you yeah. doing it, by the way. I can see, I can really see you doing it. You have the... You have the character and personality. If there's one thing that, sorry to interrupt you, but if there's one thing that I really love about you and one thing that I've observed about you is that you could be going through it and you will just make the decision to go through it. You know, you're not the type that will sit there. Even if you sit and allow yourself to feel, I haven't seen you to be the type to just sit and let life happen. Even if what is happening around you is messed up, you just keep going and even you know I follow your body to Kim and even just you know with your weight loss journey and everything you just keep going you have a resilience that I really watch and observe that I'm very proud of sorry I didn't want to interrupt you but I just wanted to give you that compliment I really appreciate that I mean for me it's just the, the fact that no matter how much you are sad or going through stuff time is still ticking life is still going on and I guess it's also like I I am resilient or I explain, explain, no, it's exhibit, exhibit, display, whatever. I exhibit um, characteristics like that because I feel that I need to regain some some control. And I feel like I only do that just so that like, you know, okay, Kim, you're actually doing something. Like life may not be 100% perfect, but the certain, you know, um, variables that you can control, you are controlling them. But thank you mm. for that. I really do appreciate that. That's so sweet. Um, <laughs> and leading to my third question, um, what do you think was holding you back in terms of finding what's right for you? And yeah, or is it just, you know, plans change, life changes? <laughs> like, is it passive or is it more like, you know, active? Like, yeah, just let me know. It was me. I was the one holding myself back. Um, Now, I understand that obviously background and upbringing definitely plays a role in how someone is as an adult, because obviously our our upbringing and the things that we go through growing up are the things that kind of set the blueprint for our mentality and everything. And so I I don't want to, you know, in any way negate any of the experiences that I did have. Um, But firstly, I, you know, I'm very grateful to my parents for my parents. So this is not even so it's not that kind of upbringing, you know, if you get what I'm saying, but it's more like um, I'm not in any way saying that the things I've gone through haven't shaped how I experienced things and, you know, how I see things. Sorry, that's more accurate. But I was the, I was 110% the person that was holding myself back because I was, I could even feel my mind destroying itself. I could feel my body yelling at me saying to Tenda, you're not doing the right thing. You know, I remember even, it's so funny, like it, in, a, in a weird kind of prophetic way, a few months before I even moved to the Netherlands to start The Bachelor, I had an aunt who came to me at church and she was like, Tenda, you know, I know everybody's saying that you should do law, but like, 
are you sure you don't want to just like take a year off and figure things out? Or maybe you can, instead of going to the Netherlands for law, maybe you can go to the United States and study arts something. I really see you doing something like that. And she was literally speaking my desires to me. And I really believe it was God speaking through her. But I just was so focused on, but I have to please my parents. I have to do what looks good. I have to, my entire life from birth up until my mental health crisis a couple of years ago, my entire life was revolved around doing and serving and what other people thought. And while I believe that considering our community and serving our community is a beautiful thing, we cannot do it at the expense of ourselves because when we do something at the expense of ourselves, we then end up denying our community the opportunity that they could have to experience us in our fullness. And because I was so focused on, you know, on image and so focused on pleasing and so focused on what other people would think and what everyone would say on top of just a fear of failing, you know, it's easier to follow structure because structure has, well, not a hundred percent guarantee, but at least an 80% guarantee that you're going to get a job and a stable income. There was also just fear. It was just fear of people and fear of, okay. I don't know if you've seen the movie coach Carter, but there was a scene where he said, where one of the characters says to the coach, my deepest fear is not that I'm inadequate, but my deepest fear is that I'm powerful beyond measure. I was also afraid of what I could do because I was afraid that either it wouldn't be enough or that people would consider me too much, you know, because that's the one thing that I was also afraid of. I didn't want to be in people's faces. As talkative and extroverted as I am, I didn't want to take up space in a way that made people uncomfortable. I didn't want to, as much as I had daydreams about interviewing people, I didn't want to interview people because I thought they don't want to hear, you know, I was afraid to take up space. I was afraid to, my own fears of people and my own fear of myself essentially was, um, is what held me back. I, I very much, I am the problem. I'm the problem. It's me. (laughs) as Taylor Swift says. Okay, okay, I, I, I get that. I get that. I think that was connected. Okay. So <laughs> now we're gonna get into the more interesting, the more juicy stuff, you know. It's not just about how you make your bag, but it's also how you know how you live your life and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so this section of the podcast is gonna be relationship orientated. Um and I know it's a little bit personal, but I also believe that you cannot separate art from the artist. And if you know, you know, to Tinderites, um, you do know that a lot of her work has to do with love and being a black woman in love and, you know, how those things operate or just like dating and things like that. So I just wanted to know, like, what inspires your like poetic work um, or your creative work in general? Um, yeah, I just, I just want to know in terms of like, you know, how love adds to that. Um, so how I, how I even started, well, I mean, I was always creative, but what kind of got me back into art was really just like me trying to, poetry and writing and short stories is just therapy for me to deal with heartbreak that I was going through at the time and um, I started my page anonymously and I wasn't you know I, I always make it a point to not talk about the person that I'm with because you know no matter how bad things can be no matter how badly you can be treated I'm also a believer in at least in a public setting because I know you and I have had private conversations about some of the things mm-hmm. I went through but in a public in a public setting I don't believe it's right to tell someone's story if they're not there to then defend themselves, even if it's not someone that you think is worthy of defending themselves, even if you think that there's nothing, even though I know that there's really nothing that could be defended in terms of how I was treated in my last relationship. 
<laughs> I still, yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to be that person that used her ex as content. So I just used my feelings as content. Sometimes I'll make reference, but like really, even then I stopped even referencing my ex even before I became, um, even before I ended the anonymity. And even, you know, and even once I did, the moment I put my name on it, instead of just making it any poem that is related to my ex is not even available online anymore. That is how separated I am. But um, I will say that poetry for me and creativity was really something that I did as therapy to get my feelings out there, to just, to just get the, the pain out of my head, to just kind of find some kind of outlet that wasn't alcohol that wasn't you know overeating or undereating as something that just wasn't destructive to me um mm -hmm. something that where I could still feel my feelings but then also let go of the negative emotions without having to sit in this you know because you know if you I, you know I'm sure you've probably had it before where you're feeling really really anxious and you don't even know what to, not even sitting is comfortable you're walking back and forth you're pacing that kind of thing and poetry was really the thing that you know, that was my alcohol, that was my weed, that was my, that was what I was doing to just kind of cope with everything. And even after the, I healed from the heartbreak, and even after I moved on from my ex, and I, you know, anything that I, that even was, I've never actually written about him and put it out there, but anything that even was closely related to him, letting it go, and then just focusing on my feelings and all those things, I just, um, in a way, poetry has been, it's been, you know, I've, I've read a lot about shadow work. I've read a lot about, you know, tapping into the sides of yourself that you don't really accept that much, which, because um, when I first heard of shadow work, I thought that it was some kind of voodoo thing. I didn't realize that shadow work is actually just a psychological term for addressing the parts of yourself that you're not willing to address. And so mm -hmm. when I started shadow work and I started to address my flaws or address parts of myself that I thought, you know, I could never show to people, poetry has been one way of doing that you know like for example I don't <laughs> um <laughs> I love sometimes to, I'm currently working on a, <laughs> a a magic Mike fan fiction because I absolutely love Channing Tatum and I love magic Mike and I know that from a plot perspective it's a horrible movie but I just love Channing Tatum and um it's not like me you know to although yeah you know those that are close to me know that my sense of humor can be quite um should I say not safe for the public? A lot of people don't really know. <laughs> they don't know that other side of me and I'm not one to show my body online or anything. So how I express even my sexuality, you know, I put it out in, um, I put it out in my poems. And so creativity really for me has just been a way of kind of channeling my shadow self, kind of putting out there the sides of me that I would be too afraid to just kind of bring up in a conversation. Like, for example, I recently released my final vault piece where <laughs> it's just one line. It's I dated an asshole. It was full of shit. <laughs> like that's my sense of humor. <laughs> and so and so poetry is very much a way for me to um, and even in this new period now of being a single woman. And when I say single, this is the first time in my life. I mean, I've been this way for a few months now. So this is the first time in my li in a long time where when I say I am single, I mean that I don't even have a roster. I don't even have someone I'm texting. I had a crush on a guy for some months. I don't even think I have a crush anymore. Maybe I do. Actually, I still kind of do. But anyway, the point, <laughs> the point is there's no one I'm texting, no one I'm talking. I am single, like single in a way that I haven't been since my teenage years. And um, I'm loving it because I thought that I could only be inspired by love 
the good sides of love and the bad sides of love. But no, like I'm in this period of being single. I'm working on documentaries. I'm doing gigs. I'm busy and busy with no guilt because I don't have someone who, you know, who I, I kind of have to consider like, oh, but I've been working so much. I have to go home. That kind of I'm not ready for that right now. So I my art really I've been using it to reflect where my life is at. And right now I'm just a single woman doing her thing and I'm loving it. I'm really loving it. No, and I love that for you. I think it's it's very powerful to send the message to, you know, all the people out there who do listen that, you know, I guess love is not everything. I mean, I'm very happy in my relationship, but I did also have a season of singleness where I really felt very empowered and I felt free. Mm-hmm. Um, I still feel empowered, um, <laughs> but just there's also so much beauty in that and discovering mm-hmm. who are before you meet you know your person and things like that so I'm with that I really do support that yeah and and I'm happy for you sorry I didn't want to interrupt again but I'm just happy for you that you have a love with a man that seems to clearly see your value and cherish that I'm so happy for you I know I never had that before so yeah Um, I'm very grateful I also felt like I was in the right time like we met at the right moment and I was ready to receive that kind of love and kind of be mature with it it's not easy you know every relationship has its up and downs but for the most part I'm really happy he's really Mm -hmm. happy you know we continue to grow together and just you know I don't want to say settle more into our love but it's becoming a more constant thing like it was already Mm -hmm. but it's it's more like life is now starting to intertwine and things like that but that's for another um, episode, another day. But mm-hmm. I, I did wanted to, I did want to ask you, um, what is your outlook on love and stuff? Like, obviously, right now you're single, but like in general, like how do you feel about it? Do you feel like it's necessary? Do you think it's something that you know people can live without? Things like that. Mm, actually, I'm very happy you said the last part. I personally don't think. I can live without love. So I do know that eventually I'll want to get married and have children, but I just want to quickly just get onto what you said about, you know, is it something that some people can just live without? And I think there are some people we all need and deserve love in different forms. Mm -hmm. But one thing that my previous relationships and just what I've learned in getting closer with my friends and just seeing the love that does exist around me is that there are some people who probably just aren't ready to have it in their lives because, you know, okay, so obviously, you know, I'm going to respect their privacy and not say their name or their gender. But I do have a friend who recently actually opened up to me and said, I don't actually think I'm going to be in a relationship anytime soon I'm a very toxic person when it comes to romance and this person is not like when I say you know I I would not be friends with them if I felt like they were actively intentionally hurting people but they do have particular issues in their mental health that would basically what they were saying was I know that if I were to get into a relationship right now I would hurt the person that I'm with and I appreciated that depth of honesty because there are some people who don't have that self-awareness, who even if they know that they're just not mature or ready enough to be in a relationship, you know, they still get into it. So I do think that there are, I do think that for some people, in fact, for a lot of people, it is necessary to be without it while, so you can kind of realign with yourself. But I don't want to negate also the healing that also happens in love and in relationships too, um, because we don't just heal on our own. We also heal in connection too. Um, but for me, in terms of my, out, my, you know, my outlook on love, um, 
I'm a lover girl at heart. I always have been, and I think I always will be. That um, that's a side of me that I think I was ashamed of for so long because it only ever really brought me pain. You know, the more I seemed to give love to people, at least to men in this case, the worse I would get treated. You know, I noticed that there wasn't really a lot of the love I would give. It wasn't getting. It wasn't giving. I wasn't getting anything back. And that's not to say that I was giving it just to get something back. But what I'm trying to say is, I, I um. <clears throat> there was a period of time where I really gave up on the side of myself that uh -huh. is very romantic, that is very cheesy, that is very sappy um, when it comes to love and romance and all those things. Like I love Valentine's Day and I understand the capitalism behind it. I, I get all of those things politically, but I love Valentine's Day. I love picnics. I love flowers and I love, you know, writing love letters and notes. Like every guy that I've dated has probably gotten a love letter or a note from me somewhere. I love to... <laughs> I love, like, I love to do that. And so I, um, because it only ever brought me pain, I kind of thought, okay, I'm not, I'm never going to be like that again. You know, there was a time where like a few months ago, I was like, all right, if I'm going to date, I'm going to make them, you know, the men jump all through these, you know, through all these hoops and whatnot. But I quickly learned that, look, I can't, um, <clears throat> I quickly learned that I can't um, punish other people for things that, were done to me by other people you know I can't punish you know Jack for what was done by you know Arnold I can't punish you know Cody or I can't punish Adetunji because of what you know Tinashe did that kind of thing and so I um <clears throat> my outlook on love now is I can only be who I am and the right person the right person that God wants the right person that the universe wants will come to me and enhance that side of myself you know and but I will say this though I no longer believe in opposites attracting now I understand that no people no two leads are the same no two people are the same and I do think that it's important in a relationship to have should I say contrasting strengths and weaknesses that help you to balance each other out so I'm not saying you can't be different but what I'm saying is you know, for I'm quite talkative and extroverted and bubbly, and I can really talk to any. I can talk to strangers on the street. I talk to cats on the street. I talk. <laughs> I can talk to anything. And for a long time, I thought, oh, I want a quiet guy. But you know, no, I, I'm not saying I want a guy who's as talkative as me. But I don't want a guy who's gonna say things to me because these are things that you know people in the men in the past have said to me. Oh, why are you talking so much? Why do you think so deeply about things? Oh, Jesus Christ, here you go again. You know, I don't want a guy that's as that's like super duper quiet and like gets irritated because I've talked for longer than two minutes. I also want a guy that is talkative and, you know, bubbly too, you know, for a long time, I used to idealize, you know, the, the extroverted girlfriend and the introverted boyfriend. And I see how much that works in many ways, but like, I, I don't want a guy who, if I'm in the middle of the dance floor, I have to watch how I'm dancing because he is too shy to dance. And so now he's kind of mm -hmm. trying to monitor me. No, I want a guy who will like be on the dance floor with me. You know, I'm yeah. kind of realizing that while I would like someone whose strengths can complement my weaknesses and vice versa, I think that's very necessary. I, if you're like a homebody, I actually think it's important to just be with another homebody. And not, I'm not saying that those opposites can't work because they do. But for me, I want someone who's going to be like, yo, babe, it's Friday. Let's go clubbing. You know, that kind of thing. I like that. That's how I am. So my outlook is it is important actually to be similar to your partner because then you, you avoid a lot of unnecessary pain. Yeah. At least for me, that's my take.
Yeah, no, I get that. And the other question that I have for you is, do you have any lessons learned from the past in terms of, I guess, a romantic setting? Like, what would you want, like, younger girls to know or just anyone to know to be aged? Um, your needs... Okay, no, that's not, that's not the right way to start it. What I'm going to say next... I, I don't want the women and the men that, that listen to you to take me wrong. But my mom told me a few years ago, an advice that at the, at the time I was like, no, I'm not taking it. My mom was like, to tend I don't ever take a man seriously. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I was like, mom, what do you mean? Don't take a man seriously. Like, what if I get, like, I actually thought that she was telling me to be like a man eater or whatever. But as I've gotten older, I realized what my mom was trying to say to me was don't, don't put a man above what you know is true to yourself. Yeah. Um, and don't, you know, cause I have, a, I have a tendency to just trust very quickly and jump in very quickly. My mom was like, look, if a guy has just met you, don't take him seriously. You don't know what his intentions are. You don't know his history, his background. You have no idea where he came from. You don't know anything except for this individual that's been in front of your face for three seconds. Yeah. Don't take it seriously you know, what, how to know if you should take a man seriously is consistency over time. And so that's the, that's the advice I'll give to, to a lot of young women, especially don't take them seriously in the beginning. And by that, I mean, don't be, I'm not saying don't be, I'm not saying don't be, I'm not saying be disrespectful. Absolutely not. I'm not saying be dismissive or cold or rude or make him or play hard to get. No, far from it. Be yourself. But what I'm saying is if, you know, you've been talking to this guy for two weeks and it's going really, really well. And you seem to really like him and he ghosts you. He didn't know you well enough to earn your trust anyway. So if he decides to do that after two weeks of talking, you can be like, all right, F you. Bye-bye. Just don't, um, don't go in expecting something that someone hasn't even proven themselves worthy for. Yeah. And I think I'd like to add to that is don't lose yourself within another person, be it male, Mm -hmm. they, them, anything non-binary, like, do not lose yourself within another person like I always say this like you were born without them not that you have to live without them but worst mm-hmm. worst you can um so just maintaining like the investment within yourself and your growth as an individual so that you can be a better partner as well I think that's just something that people need to know like don't lose yourself in the person that final final part um yeah, I wanted to know what are your three tips that you have for young women in their early twenties. Um, I love this. So the first and foremost, the first one is just being true to yourself as a person. And a lot of people, you know, don't you know struggle to figure out what that means. I think being true to yourself. To give a small example, if someone offers you alcohol, for example, and you don't want to drink, or maybe you don't drink, or whatever, it's a very small example. But you know, if your answer is no, let it be a no. Yeah. Even if it even if it involves you displeasing people, being true to yourself means also understanding and knowing what your personal boundaries are. So for example, let's say, you know, a lot of girls are put in to this day, still go through this thing where sometimes they feel like they need to sleep with a guy to keep him. But if that's not where you're at mentally, don't do it. Um, Being true to yourself also means fulfilling your duty and obligations where it's necessary. Um, Because, you know, oftentimes I think 
in this, you know, this current age that we're in, people are focusing on themselves and their health. And that's a very important thing, but I'm scared and worried that it's making us selfish. I know that I notice some selfish tendencies within myself that I'm currently working on, but uh, being true to yourself also means fulfilling your obligations and your duties where you're needed. Life is self-care isn't just, com isn't always what makes you comfortable. It's the thing that you have to do. Being true to yourself sometimes means having honest conversations with people that you might not want to have. Um, mm -hmm. are needed but being true to yourself also means like okay you know what I'm tired you know I'll give another example of a friend of mine <clears throat> who I won't name but um, she's always been a very ambitious and highly achieving person and she's currently experiencing a bit of a burnout because she's just overworked herself and you know she was feeling really down because she was like but you know I'm so successful usually and there's so much that I usually do but I said to her, you need to listen to your body. Like if your body is telling you that I need to rest, you need to listen to that. So being true to yourself really is about listening to your inner and following your duties and, you know, not doing anything that negates from your God-given purpose. And then everything else kind of falls into place because then when you're honest with yourself, you can be honest with others. And so you find that even the people in your life will change, or even if it doesn't change, your interactions will be a lot better. You'll be more honest. You'll So being true to yourself is number one. Number two, being true, number two, uh, in terms of the tips, take care of your health. Um, some of the things that you will do in your early 20s will catch up with you in your in your your mid to late 20s. And every time I would hear people say that, I'd be like, oh, that's not true. It is very true. Um, fortunately, this is not something that has happened to me, but I did have not my personal friends, but like I, I, I know some people who, you know, um, have openly talked about the fact that their extreme drinking and weed usage in their early 20s led to some issues in their mid 20s. Um, so and I'm not in any way saying people should stop smoking or stop drinking, not at all. But no matter what it is you're doing, try to regulate it, try to keep it calm, because you don't want to fry your brain. You don't want to, you know, I know. <clears throat> I know 26, 27-year-olds that are having serious problems with their short-term memory because of excessive substance use in their early 20s. So please take care of yourself physically. That's something, your mental health is fine, but sometimes your physical health can affect your mental health. Um, and then the third thing, I know I said don't take men seriously, but don't take life too seriously. The reason <laughs> being, <laughs> the reason being, okay, 14-year-old to Kenda if she were to have looked at me right now, like my age right now, what she wanted was for me to already have two kids. Wow. Be a stay at home. I, I said, I'll be married at 22. I was that person that said I would have five uh, kids by the time I'm 32. That was my, that was me. No exaggeration. I was, I wanted to be a, a successful woman corporate. And then I take a few years off and I become a mama and I, and would I tell you that if I if that had become my life now, I don't think I would have been so unhappy. I wouldn't have done what I've done. So sometimes you'll have a plan in life and it just won't work. And yeah. you know, I think as women, we have the tendency to do this thing where we say, Oh, you know, we look for a sign in everything. Sometimes it just didn't work out. Sometimes he just he just lost interest and he stops talking to you. Sometimes, you know, that relationship turns out to be toxic and then you have to end it. Sometimes that job that you wanted really isn't the job. Sometimes life just happens and yeah. you just have to deal with it. And so don't take it too seriously to the point where you burn yourself out. Laugh through some of the pain. Address your pain 
take responsibility and accountability for yourself, but laugh. Like I remember before I started working again and, you know, money was a bit tight for me. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, okay. So I had noodles for dinner tonight. Great. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And um, now I can actually afford to cook myself a proper meal and have a glass of wine on the side. So, you know, life does change. So just laugh through it sometimes. Sometimes really the only thing you can do is ride the wave. Not everything requires, you know, buying 10 journals and starting your life over. Sometimes it's just a case of, all right, life sucks, dealing with it until it doesn't. So yeah. don't take it too serious. Yeah, no, I really do appreciate the fact that you took time out of your Saturday afternoon um, just to have a conversation with me, a little heart to heart. Um, yeah, it's been nice hearing your voice and hearing you speak and just saying all these things that obviously you do always radiate wisdom. Um, but thank you. Nice to like see you express these things in such a clear way. And yeah, I'm just really proud of you. And I'm just so happy that, you know, we got to do this and I can't wait for it to be published. And I'm just grateful, you know, that you decided to spend your time with me, even if it is virtually. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. No, I'm I'm so grateful that you even asked me to be part of this. Like I said, I listen to your podcast. My sister Brittany listens to your podcast. I love your voice when you talk and you know, yeah. God, <laughs> I do. I love it. Seriously. You have a very, um, you have, um, what is it? You have a teacher voice. So we both know Miss Marks, right? Miss mm -hmm. Marks has her. her voice. It's not just her accent. It, it's her actual voice. There's a tone in her voice where when she starts talking, you just have to listen. That's what I have with you. And so I should be thanking oh. you for being so willing to have me on your podcast. Thank you so much, Kim. And I hope this is not the last time. And when I start my own proper, because right now I'm just interviewing people freelance. When I start my own proper podcast, I want you to be one of my first three guests, honestly. So oh, thank, you. thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, and please hold me to that. Like hold me accountable to that. I will. When I tell you that I've started my podcast, please don't be Shona about it. I know we're Shona people, but don't be Shona about it. Tell me, hey, you promised me I'll be number one or number two, <laughs> number three. Tell me please <laughs> yeah no i will but that is the end of today's episode i hope you guys enjoyed that and i hope you guys really did enjoy Tatenda's advice um i will put her links um in the bio or just like her ads and stuff like that so you can you know if you want to interact with her you can interact with her and her work more um but yeah that's it from me and Tatenda. have a good day have a good week and have a good life bye thank you bye bye